Hello, friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church, Westlake, where we talk about the messages we hear each and every week. I am your host, Nathan Story, and joining me this week are my compadres, my partner in crime, Cesar Guerrero. Yes, you're Robin to your Batman. Yes, indeed. And for the very first time, we're extremely excited to have Pastor Mitch White. Hey, Mitch. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. On this podcast. Am I the Joker? Since she is, oh, yeah. oh, depends yeah. on how antagonistic uh, this yeah, is. Okay. <laughs> you could be Batgirl if you want to. Still be on the team. Um, hmm. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make <laughs> that call afterwards. And please do not Photoshop any of these images. <laughs> That's <I've got>. right. <laughs> I'm getting some scary pictures in my mind as we talk no, about thank this you. stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's good uh, to be with you guys. Yeah, it's good to have you, Mitch. Thanks again for being here. And uh, so we started a new series as a church because called Money Talks, and Mitch uh, preached for Westlake and Huntersville mm-hmm. this past mm-hmm. weekend, right? Uh, so double duty. Uh, and this is your first time on the show. So w- why don't we start by having you just tell us a little bit, tell us more about yourself okay. and who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So I am the executive pastor for the family of Lake Forest churches. Uh, so Davidson, uh, Westlake, Huntersville, and our uh, Hispanic church as well. So been actually part of Lake Forest since the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was uh, part of the core team and helped uh, starting uh, Lake Forest and was the associate pastor for Huntersville for uh, 16 years and uh, have been the executive pastor for the last four to five years. Yeah, wow. so I've been here. Uh, married for 30 years to my wife, my high school sweetheart in Virginia. Oh, yeah. cool we, have, um, we have three children, um, two, uh, uh, son Caleb, uh, daughter Lindsay, and also Caleb's wife, Ashley, is our third child, yeah. child now. And, also, just uh, back in uh, February, had our very first yeah. uh, grandson. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm in the grandfather phase. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, which yeah. means I can do whatever I want. That's <laughs> where, where what okay. I want. Okay, so real say quick, what I want. don't want to diverge too much, but give us the absolute best thing in your experience. Mm-hmm. Absolute best thing about being a granddad. Uh, um, naps. when that boy falls asleep on my shoulder oh yeah and they want me to put him in the crib and i say nope we're gonna lay right right. that's the best feeling oh it's gotta (laughs) be it's gotta be right there um so we mentioned that you started our money talk series our kind of Mm -hmm. big fall series here at lake forest church and uh, why don't we get into that process of kind of where your mind went when you were creating the sermon and creating the message for us in that yeah. week. And, and I think, so every pastor, I hope, I believe, puts a little bit of themselves. Every message is, is pretty personal. This was a kind of a deeply personal message for you. So tell us a little bit about where uh, that, that process went as you kind of crafted yeah. that message for us. Um, every pastor kind of finds their own style of, of preaching, especially when you've been preaching for over 20 years. And my own style... Uh, I'm always better when somebody gives me a passage of Scripture. That's kind of where I love and thrive is let me open up God's Word in a way that people can really delve into it and see some things they may never have seen. So when I'm actually given a topic like money, it's actually a little bit harder. It's Mm. a little uh, more difficult for me. But I then go to my go-to is um, what are the passages um, that really uh, hit that. And there's a lot in Scripture that talks about money. But in the beginning of a series, I wanted to kind of paint, um, okay, what's the the thinking we should have all the way through a series as opposed to just 
So I talked about tithing, but I didn't want to just talk about tithing. I wanted to talk about something bigger Mm -hmm. um, behind tithing, behind what we'll talk about in budgeting, behind saving, all of that. So for me, it was really um, the piece of with money, especially for us, we tend to make decisions financially based off of what we see Mm -hmm. and how we decide. Um, and a lot of times we don't make the smartest decisions. So part of that is looking in scripture where the places where God's people make decisions around what they see, as opposed to Mm. what does God say? Uh, am am I going to trust what God says? Mm. So that's kind of where it began for me. What's the backdrop that I can give throughout this series? Um, and, uh, and yeah, it is very personal. It's a, it's been a, that's part of what I uh, found was most helpful in this sermon was just sharing my own journey financially. And a lot of people, especially with the church, uh, when a pastor talks about money, mm-hmm. uh, they uh, a lot of times feel like, okay, well, that's just because you're God's person. Yeah. And so I wanted yeah, to yeah. share enough of the story to be able to say, yeah, God has his hand on me, but he has his hand on me as much as he can have his hand on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did that go? Did that inform your decision to even sit down during the sermon? Because you started out standing up, you know, like like in mm-hmm. a normal preaching. Then at some point, you brought the chair over yeah. and you just kind of sat down and just started sharing. Yeah. Did um, how much thought did you put into that? It was just just did that just come out of a result of you realizing you are going to share a lot more of a story, yeah. and so you just wanted to kind of set maybe more of a comfortable. Right. Tone at yeah, that was point. that just Grandpa Mitch just wanting yeah, to sit down? Getting, getting tired of getting older. Getting tired of standing up. <laughs> Can't stand as long as I used to. Uh, I actually wanted to sit the whole time. You guys wouldn't let me. Uh, oh, right. That's part of it. And, that's right. <laughs> no, it really is. Um, you know, when you're preaching, there are all kinds of. Uh, basically, what you're doing is you're communicating. You're trying to communicate, mm-hmm. and it's not just through words. Um, it's through. Um, behaviors mm. is through uh, tone is through all of those things so when you're so I'm trying to communicate every way that I can to people who are listening and or watching and so mm-hmm. part of that was purposeful in that I proclaim God's word let's all sit in that but now let me sit down with you and tell you my story so I've told you God's story but let me tell you my story and and I just felt like sitting uh, with folks felt like I was kind of um, especially as we're videoing, I sat, I took a seat in their living room. It's mm. kind of the, yeah, the yeah. Uh, and now let's just sit, just like we're doing right here. Yeah. Let's just sit and talk. Yeah. There's something about uh, money that can be so, um, I guess scary is the word. I could use like for people just to talk about that. It seems like that um, approachability is an important thing to consider when mm. we're trying to talk to people about money. Yeah. It is, and you know, especially a lot of people have uh, bad experiences with the church and money. Yeah, yeah. And so you can't. I mean, you have to think through what when you're communicating. What you're having to communicate through is people's bad experiences mm. as well. And mm. so even in a posture of um, sitting down, um, even in proclaiming God's word, it's not a. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to damn you. That's happened uh, yeah. to many people. Yeah. yeah. But I'm trying to, more than anything, is uh, I want to paint a picture of what could happen in your life if you desire and if you want. And so I just want it to paint more than anything as an attractiveness to what it means to follow God's word more than what you see. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, that point kept ringing through this idea of there's this there's this God who makes promises when it comes to mm-hmm. our actions, and that when we make actions that show that we trust Him, you know, when we put our you, you said a uh, kind of put your money. I forget the phrase exactly. What was the put phrase? Put your money where your ears are. Yeah, yeah. put your money where your ears are. <laughs> that's, that's so good. Yeah, it's so, so different good. different yeah. body part than you yeah. know what the phrase usually putting money where your mouth is, but putting money put your money where your ears are, and this idea of listening to God's voice. Mm-hmm and taking action as a response to that. And I've never thought of money as a response to God's Mm -hmm. word. It was always a kind of like, well, you give to God first. You talked about tithing and growing up in the church, you'd always hear like, this is what you do at the very beginning of your week. Um, The the offering plate came around before Mm -hmm. everything happened. Mm -hmm. Not not necessarily at the very beginning, but earlier on the service. And we had a song that went on with it and everything. Mm It's really interesting, but mm. I never really thought of it as a response to mm-hmm. to maybe God's word or something like that. Um, you mentioned a Malachi passage that is a what you thought of as a promise mm-hmm. um, as as a way to encourage us to to see that God is ready to open. I think what's the phrase? Open the floodgates, mm-hmm. blessings. Mm-hmm. Um, how's that personally resonated with you and your own story? Um, or are there other promises that you've kind of clung on to when, you, right. when you've thought of your own generosity in response to God? Yeah, um, yeah share more about that. Yeah, and um, it's a great question. I, I actually believe that the Malachi passage is um, less of a promise. It's more of a test. It really is. It's one of the few places that God in Scripture, he's not just uh, saying, if you do this, I promise this. But mm-hmm. He's he's testing us. If you're going to... Uh, he says, put me to the test um, mm-hmm. in, in this that, and watch that I will um, come through on this test. And, and part of what's happening in the book of Malachi is the people of God have actually finally gotten back together after exile. And they built their walls again, and they're rebuilding a city. And they actually look over the walls and they begin to see, again, mm-hmm. trusting what they see, they begin to see other cities um, having more than they do. Mm, And so they basically say, okay, they got something figured out that we don't, and so maybe we need to start doing what they're doing, and we we start taking care of ourselves as opposed to letting God take care of us. Wow. So we so, see an, an Old Testament version of the grass is always greener. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Keeping up with the Jones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it wow. exactly wow. right. Yeah. And, uh, and part of that is the fun part is God comes in and he says, if you will test me in this, mm-hmm. then all those other nations will look at you and say, you're the one who is blessed. Wow. But what you're doing is you're looking at them and you're not obeying me. So it's, mm. it's really a test more than a promise. Mm. I believe throughout Scripture God gives promises. I think one of the, the greatest promises He gives and the one that I, I try and live most and coach people in is if you seek me, you will find me. Um, and I yeah. think it's uh, people ask me all the time, what's God's will? What's God's will mm. with my money? What's God's will with my career? What's God's will? It's real simple. If you seek Him, you will find Him. Mm. And so if you keep your eyes on Him keep listening to him he'll make the other pieces clear so i think that's one of the greatest promises of scripture when do you in your conversations with with people at our church or people in in your past experience when when do people initiate that conversation when it comes to what does god want to what does god want 
me to do with my money yeah. is it typically they have a lot of money extra right and they're like hey mitch what should i do with my money or is it when they're like hey i don't have anything right now and i feel like god yeah. you know i, I would yeah. love to have some freedom you yeah, know that's great when, that's when, great what is a, yeah well, that was kind of a, a partner that? question that was swirling around in, in my mind you know what what do we say to people who feel like they don't have any mm-hmm. you know who feel like they have done these things yep. maybe even sought the lord and, and even put him to the test as you're saying and and still have or in in their terms have nothing right yeah, yeah that's hard right? it, it is really hard and, and especially in not only america but in the lake norman area that we all live yeah in. oh yeah um there's a lot of comparison and mm. um i think we have a misunderstanding of what wealth is um yeah and it's easy to be confused uh the reality is that if you have a car if you have a house uh, you are more wealthy than 95% of the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But we don't, but that's not the culture we live in. Mm-hmm. We feel like we are the 5% who are the poorest uh, right. all around us. So, your question is when do people ask? I, I think I, I get both of those for different reasons. Mm-hmm. One is the person, there are people who have um, tithe, and there are people who have not tithe who've come to me and they have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And their question is, how do I make an impact, a legacy yeah, um, yeah. in that? Uh, and so uh, that's kind of what do I do with all of this? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to just go through life and just throw money away. Uh, how can I make an impact? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where it is. I think the other question a lot of times comes to me is I don't have anything, so I must be doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how do I get my life straight to where God hooks me up? Yeah. That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think for both people on that, um, I believe the bigger part that the Lord's calling us to is a life of contentment. Mm. Um, the uh, most beautiful lady I've ever met, uh, besides my wife, um, <laughs> was an 80-year-old lady uh, in Jamaica. Mm. Uh, one of my very first mission trips I ever went on. And we were walking through this very poor area of Jamaica, and she's standing right outside of her one room house and I just say hello and said how are you and she says I am wonderful Jesus has been so good to me (laughs) and I'm peeking into her one room house and everything that she has is right in there there's a bed there's everything that she's and I said were you doing okay she said I'm doing wonderful Uh, Jesus has given me everything I need Uh, I'm so happy that he loves me I'm going, this is a lady also that depends on people bringing her food mm-hmm. every day. And so she's content. Um, right. She doesn't have, in our standards, anything. Yeah. But in the Lord's standards, she has everything. Mm. So that was an eye-opener for me. That's so good. Yeah. How old were you when, when you had that experience? I'm just curious. Uh, I would have been 28. Wow. Yeah, 28 years old. On my that's so that's so funny. I was just thinking as soon as before you even told that story, I was thinking of a very similar story that I experienced mm-hmm. of going to the Dominican Republic when yeah. I was a teenager, and same thing. You know, we would you know this group of you know white kids walking down the street, yeah. and there everyone of course was coming out of their one room cinder block houses just mm-hmm. to kind of get a look at us, but also multiple times we were invited into people's homes. Mm-hmm. So what I realized in that moment that these people were not just content. They were also eager to share the little yeah. that they had with the people around them, yeah, and that blew me away. I remember getting back home 
you know, getting in the shower in my parents' house and easily having a hot shower yeah. and just weeping yeah. <laughs> just because yeah. I realized how, yeah. how much we do actually have. And I think that uh, that is, I think that's what the Lord is after more than anything. Yeah. It's not how much you have, but with whatever you have, what's your posture with it? Mm. So if I'm making millions, can I still have a posture of generosity? If I'm not making anything, can I still have a posture of generosity? And the it's interesting, I've always thought about where I live is half a mile from here in middle income housing. Um, very, uh, two cars, uh, 2,000 square foot house. Um, and I can look um, a mile from me and see 5,000 square foot houses uh, that cost uh, 10 times the amount of mine. And I can look and go, wow, that's uh, those guys are rich. Mm-hmm. Those guys are looking two miles from them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at houses that are five times that amount. And go, wow, those guys are rich. Yeah, half a mile yeah. from me are people who live in very low income uh, housing, who uh, five hundred square foot houses, who are yeah. looking at me going, wow, that guy's rich. Yeah, mm-hmm. my f- uh, pastor friend from India comes and looks at those houses and says, those guys are rich. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's all, uh, you know, it's your perspective on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say every one of us in there are rich. And the reality is it all belongs to the Lord. Yeah. I'm thinking now just about, you've talked a lot about your Mm -hmm. personal experience with money, talked a lot about that in the the sermon itself. But Mm -hmm. is is there a story perhaps that you didn't share and we could even add this, uh, another question to this. Is there a, a passage of Scripture, and a, a, a part of Scripture that perhaps illustrates some of what we're talking about yeah. that you weren't able to share? What, may, what, what hit the cutting room floor that yeah. you perhaps didn't want to? Yeah, we always know wanna... that there's something that gets left, yeah, left off yeah. the script. And so it's always well, fun to, to know what that might have been. Yeah, this one was a 50-minute sermon that I was uh, cut down to 35. And so most, uh, I tell the other pastors, like, man, you guys talk a lot. I don't have, I don't have much, that much to say about anything except for this. Except topic. for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the only topic that I have a lot to say, and so much of it is just personal stories. Mm-hmm. And, um, part of it is I just believe the, um, the discipline of tithing Um has freed me up in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's not, uh, it's not just focused on tithing my money. It's also how do I just be a generous person in everything, in my abilities, in my time, all of those things. And so one of the stories I wanted to tell is just uh, I live in a neighborhood that all of our neighbors have become very close. And as I look through that neighborhood, I've built uh, three decks I've built three screen porches, um, and I've built a shed. And I just had a neighbor, I just finished building a, a very nice screen porch, and they asked if I could help them and what, and what could I pay them, what they could pay me. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah, we have four rules. One, the husband and the wife, I'm going to work you really hard. <laughs> so you're going to be a part of this. The second is you have to keep me hydrated. Lots of water, <laughs> lots of Gatorade, and, and one beer after. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the third one was after you have to throw a party for all the neighbors and just that we celebrate in this cool. new place so we can bless you guys. But I said the fourth one, and you have to agree to it or I won't do it, is you cannot pay me. Wow. And, and that's a strange thing in huh. our culture because anytime you help someone in our culture, they feel like i got to pay you. Mm. 
And I, I'm just determined to change that mm-hmm. um, in my own life and around, because part of that is helping people to understand what relationships are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean? Because I have an ability that they don't have, right. that I know how to build this porch. They can supply all the materials, but um, why wouldn't I give my time to help them build this and we do this together? Mm-hmm. And I don't have to be paid for that. Mm-hmm. And Part of that is another way that I love to give. And uh, so that's been the same deal I've made for every one of my neighbors. So there's all of these decks and all these screen porches. None of them can pay me. They know it. Mm-hmm. My car breaks down. I got two guys from Michigan right across the street who know all I need to know about cars. And so they come up, they look for the opportunity to serve. So we serve yeah. each other. We use our gifts uh, with each other. And so I think that's a posture that I just hope that people will grab a hold of. And yeah. that's a story I want because that doesn't have, it has to do with money, but really it has to do with just a generous heart yeah. and yeah. wanting to say to folks that everything you do in life, you don't have to pay for. Yeah. yeah. And that, that kind of like even shifts the culture that you're talking about in your own neighborhood, how mm-hmm. yeah. the, the next biggest thing is beyond your reach mm-hmm. and it's, it's attractive to your eye and yeah. you kind of like, Oh, I got to, got to pay for that to, to get there you know, buy my ticket into yeah. that level of happiness yeah. or prestige or whatever yeah. but what you're doing in your own neighborhood is that when a neighbor sees someone else's nice porch they're like hey I, I want I want that porch too yeah. or I want a porch as well and there's yeah. somebody in that neighborhood who's like oh yeah. well that's that's my gift to yeah. people rather than someone saying oh I I gotta have a nicer porch yeah. <laughs> even it when, is um, and, and the fun part as well and that is uh, when we told the other neighbors we we're going to do this. Uh, three of the other neighbors that I've built for all said we're in. Wow. And so mm-hmm. there were days where all of us were building it together. And That's again, so cool. it's not for payment. It's because mm-hmm. we're in this together. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality of it, this is part of what we miss a lot of times about God's provision. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when we look for God to provide for us, we strictly think financially. Well, he mm-hmm. didn't give me enough money in my paycheck. He didn't give me enough money for this. We miss the places that he provides for us, not through financial, Mm -hmm. but through other people. Mm. And so these guys would have probably had to wait another year to save money to pay somebody to build this. Mm. And they can now look and go, you know, God provided this for us, not through more money, Mm. but through people. And that's Mm. the part I hope that when God opens the floodgates, it's not just financially. He opens Mm. the floodgates by keeping things running that longer than they should have mm. uh, other people coming in and caring for you and providing for you in ways that um, it doesn't have a financial uh, connection with it. Yeah. Well, I think that goes the opposite way too. So often we want to appear like we have money, mm-hmm. but also I think deeper down there's an insecurity in all of us, especially if you live in an area like we do, like you mentioned earlier, yeah. Mitch, that we don't want to appear like we need something. Mm-hmm. I think, I've, and I think about my own self in that way, you know, that's what, you know, I live in a, in a slight, probably unhealthy amount of fear of the house, the HOA, because, you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> our yeah. HOAs, because I, I got, okay, I got to go get to the yard, because it's yep. been probably two more days. I should have gone <laughs> to, to mow the lawn, and, like, we just, what we, so it, in that way, we're missing, like you're saying, some of what God provides for us through other people, because we're just afraid to appear in need, right. yeah. and that we actually want help. We yeah. do, and it's, it is, and it's, um, it's just a part, I, again, I think, Part of it is I want my own life to ooze um, that 
you know, everything this guy had, he was willing to share. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was my truck, somebody wanting to borrow it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what if I wreck it? I don't care. <laughs> so if you, uh, what if you don't? That means you got something to help you move it. Um, I'm just not going to be tied to those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And, uh, well, can I pay you to build this porch? No. Why would you have to do that? Mm-hmm. Can I pay you for helping me? I couldn't cut my grass because I was sick. No. Why wouldn't you? Um yeah. And, and it's the same thing for me. There's a, there's a knee-jerk reaction in me that somebody does something nice for me. I want to say, well, what do I owe you? Mm. Um, I think we've got to um, get out of this thinking of always owing. Mm. And in reality, I think that actually plays out in our relationship with God. Mm. God does something for me. I owe him. Wow. Oh, wow. The other reverse is, wait a minute, God, I just did something for you. You owe me. Gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. that's how we deal with God as well. Yeah. Wow. So good, Mitch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you think that what, what happens first, the chicken or the egg? Is it, a, is it a, your view of your transactional relationship with God changes before your transactional relationship with others right. change? Or does could it happen the other way around where Absolutely. You just, I just start to treat people differently and all of a sudden I now think of God differently? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. even the conversation, we went from people to then mm-hmm. now God. Yeah. So I'm, in, I'm intrigued by that. Is yeah, I think it's both. I think there's sometimes uh, it's the you got to see in order to believe. Mm. There are a lot of things that that's true of, and there are a lot of things you don't you have to believe, and mm. then you begin to see. And so sometimes mm. it is. Sometimes I do things out of complete obedience to God, mm. and then I start to see clarity. There are other times I do things out of faith. Um, because I'm, I'm just hoping he does, and that leads me to an obedience. Mm. Um, and so I think it's a mix in, in each of those. There are a lot of topics I don't have a lot to say about this one. I do. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, yeah, a lot in there. We look forward but to having, yeah. having you back when the time comes. Absolutely. Yes. Folks, that's it for our episode this week of Tell Us More. Join us next time when we ask our speakers to do just that, to tell us more. All right. Goodbye.